to the Security Squawk Podcast, where we discuss the business of cybersecurity. Here are your co-hosts and cybersecurity experts, Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, and Randy Bryan. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Security Squawk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning, here with Reg Andre, Randy Bryan. How are you, gentlemen? Welcome to another week of exciting discussions about cyber attacks and everybody who just can't seem to stop the cyber criminals out there who are just making millions and millions of dollars on a daily basis. We're going to take you through the last week of cyber attacks. And as we promised you on last week's show, we're going to start looking at the, uh, the top groups, ransomware groups of 2023. But before we get into that, that'll be uh, one of the segments we do towards the end. We're going to talk, we're going to update everybody on some healthcare attacks, education system attacks, and then just this, the whole zero day vulnerability thing that cyber criminals are really keen in on. And we want to bring that to your attention and kind of jump into that a little bit today as well. Before we do, remember, share the show. And as we're recording, you can drop comments. We should see them come through as long as you give StreamYard permission we'll we will be able to see your comments and comment at, uh, live on the show uh, but if you're listening to us on a recording either on social media or your favorite podcasting platform please remember to share us out and either write us a review or review us on the social media platform it helps other people find this content so they can become educated just like you anything you guys want to add to my little spiel there at the beginning all good, right? Other than it's been a very busy week. Ridiculously busy week. For I, sure. like, I got I got text messages from like random people over the weekend going like, oh my God, can you believe what's going on? And I'm like, no, I really can. Because this shit doesn't surprise me anymore. Um, but it's wild. So let's get into it, right? <clears throat> Attacks on our healthcare system. And I mean, this is kind of like the take your pick of what you want to talk about here, because this has impacted so many hospitals uh, across the U.S. And, you know, we just got done talking about one, you know, in Andre's area. Well, the system operated in Andre's area. It's another system that operated across the country. Um, and here we go again. This one actually impacted the, the delivery of services uh, to these hospitals. But we are talking about hospital ransomware attacks on a weekly basis. So yep. let's kind of jump into it. Um, all, I think all of these hospitals, if I know the situation correctly, and I'm going to learn a little bit from you guys here as we go into this probably, but I think I got a pretty good grasp on what's going on. This was a hospital network across the U.S. that impacted these hospitals in multiple states. So it's kind of like the same owner was, was attacked and all of their hospitals that they manage and run were attacked. And, and this happened to be, you know, across multiple states. So let's talk about, uh, first off, what hospitals may have been impacted. I know there was a hospital by me called Crozier Chester, uh, just outside of Philadelphia that was impacted. They were diverting patients over the weekend. Uh, what have you guys seen in your area? Well, there's actually uh, this company has they have hospitals all over. Well, not all over, but at least in five states. And Texas is one of them. 
it made the news here. They have, I believe it's down in Houston that they have, that they have some made the news here, but it's the news that that came out here is basically a rehash of what we're hearing um, nationally on this. And of course, when they came forward with their uh, press release, they called it a data security incident. So they didn't say a breach. They didn't say ransomware, but they said a data security incident. Should we go into why they say that? Well, we do all the time and we can for this show, but it's funny that you mentioned that because literally last week when we talked about the SEC rules, we pointed out that you can't do this anymore. <laughs> so it's only a matter of time before HIPAA and the uh, you know Department of Human Services and HHS get involved and say, you guys can't do this anymore. Yeah, so the uh, SEC rules affect publicly traded companies. There's rules that affect companies that act as banks or that are literal banks or that do securities. Um, and then HIPAA is relating uh, the rules that relate to medical. Um, and I think we talked about that in the last couple of weeks that eventually all these are going to trickle down to your average, you know, your average company, um, you know, so, and then we've got right here a hospital. So yeah, data security incident. It's, but it's interesting to see that they it's under one hospital group, but then the, they go by different names in different states. Why aren't they just separated? True. I mean, but that's what that's what businesses do, right? They buy different. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure these hospitals probably all independently operated at one point. There was consolidation, and then this hospital group runs these hospitals, and as part of that consolidation, IT gets consolidated because. It's a bottom line discussion, right? You're thinking about this as a cyber defender, right? Segregate the crap out of these networks so one doesn't impact the other. But how many times do we see hospital networks? I mean, look, UHS got hit three or four years ago now, and that was the biggest one at, at, to that point. You figure every these hospital networks would have looked around to each other and said, well, geez, we don't want to be them. Right. And figure this problem out. So, like, I look at it as super, super irresponsible um, for prospect medical holdings to not look at this and go, well, wow, our networks are kind of connected. And, and if one of our hospitals gets hit, it's poten- there's a potential there that all of our hospitals can get hit. And <clears throat> I don't know. I, I just feel like if somebody at a board level heard that type of information, they would kind of say, hey, we need to do something to make sure that that does not happen because we can't have a hospital in California taking out hospitals in Pennsylvania, you know, if they get hit with ransomware. And that's exactly what we had happen here. Um, So, like, I'm with you, dude. Like, there's no way that they should be interconnected, but it's always a business decision. It's not a security decision when it comes down to this stuff. And that's... That's the thing. That's why we have this show, right? Because we're trying to educate people that the status quo can no longer continue to be the way that we do things from a lot of different levels in technology, from creating it to managing it. And this is managing it, right? Mm -hmm. And the directive at some point was probably like consolidate this stuff and cut costs because that's absolutely true. But are you introducing risk when you do that, right? And this company failed to evaluate the risk and failed to get an assessment done to tell them that this was even a potential 
thing that could happen to them. I, I believe that this was absent of an assessment. There's no way that they knew that these that the that this would happen to them. That's my belief. Right. Because I go to a franchise dental office and I remember one time I was going to move from one location to another right down the street. It's the same name. But when I went and even you can do this with like dealerships, like Toyota dealership, you buy a battery and now you go for warranty. You're like, they need the paperwork because they don't have any information from the other location. So, right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, the hospital networks around here in New Jersey, have all own, I would say 98% of the doctor's offices are owned. But these doctor's offices, especially the older doctors, they used to run independent. They were just kind of forced by you know market forces to go under these, you know, hospital um, operators that operate all these different pieces of the medical system. Doctor's offices being one of them, and we've seen it before too, guys. Where where a doctor's office gets hit, and then other doctor's offices in that you know under that umbrella also have to deal with the problem because they're all interconnected um, because that's how you cut costs. So what were you going to say, Randy? Yeah, I was, I was going to add that the sad thing about this is at the hospital in, um, I believe it was in Connecticut mm -hmm. um, that they had to shut down the, the emergency rooms at Manchester Memorial and Rockville general hospital to divert to other areas. So this is more than just a crime affecting money we're we're talking now that um, actual life saving services. I mean, somebody may die in the trip to go to another ER um, where they can't go to the one that's closest to them because two of them are shut down now because of a data security incident. Yeah, I mean, this is again, this is stuff that we talk about all the time on this show, and I mean, this is not a surprise. Any of this is any surprise to us. Um, I think there was maybe maybe there was a thought process there maybe a couple of years ago where people felt like, you know, hospitals would were off off limits or, you know, I think there was one hacking group that came out and said that they wouldn't hack a hospital. That group's no longer even in operation. And I don't see these groups saying this anymore. I think it's like we're going to try to make as much money as we can while we can because the heat is on and we don't know how much longer we're going to have to do this at the level that they're doing it, which is super easy right now. Um, the fact that, you know, guys, we're three years into this show. We've all been doing this in our business for well over five years, and it's only getting worse. It's not getting better. <laughs> I mean, the, the results in this, the, the results on businesses is getting worse. The success rate of cyber criminals is getting better. So that's how that's the only thing that's getting better is the success rate of cyber criminals. And I'm not here to, to fear monger or FUD people. This is reality. Like we're not here. I'm not here trying to get you to buy my services. I don't care if you buy my services or not, because the people that do are protected. The ones that don't are going to be the ones that pay these cyber criminals millions of dollars. And that's kind of how I look at it. Right. This is just reality. And we're educating people on what's going on out there in the world. So we go with the hospitals, moving right along to our friends over in the K-12 arena. Um, Colorado education ransomware among many of the ones that K, the K through 12 that we were deal that, that have been uh, dealing with. But this was a big one. Um, this is basically the state 
education system was was data breach and hit with ransomware. Is that right? Um, no, so this isn't just a school. This isn't you know, and we've seen school districts been that have been attacked. This is this is the overarching state body that that governs K through twelve schools in the state of Colorado. Um, so what happened here? Do we have any idea? Zandra here. I mean, okay. I can start reading the article. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Randy. All right. So on August 4th, the Colorado Department of Higher Education learned that an unauthorized that an authorized actor had accessed its systems in a ransomware incident that took place between June 11 and June 19. So it says authorized actor. That's interesting. The unknown gang copied private and sensitive data, including but not limited to names, social security numbers and student ID numbers. The breach potentially affects a large demographic of individuals, including those who attended a public college or university in Colorado between 2007 and 2020, or a public high school between 2004 and 2020, those who held a Colorado K-12 education license between 2012 and 2014, those who participated in the state's dependent tuition assistance program from 2009 to 2013. It goes on and on. Um, a large list of people are affected by this. And it's always really bad when this kind of stuff gets leaked out because they can use this information to do targeted targeted phishing and people are more likely to click on it. I mean, we follow this news like crazy, so we know about it, you know, and it'll be on a few newspapers, newspaper readerships at an all time low right now. It'll be on the evening news, you know, in Colorado City and things like that. But, you know, news watching at six o'clock at an all time low, whatever, you know what I mean? Like. We're talking a small percentage of people are going to actually hear about this and they're going to be very susceptible to targeted phishing uh, from this point on now that this data has been leaked, potentially. So that's got to be a typo, right? Yeah. Okay. Is. Okay. I mean, yeah. you, are you talking about the authorized part? Yeah, it's, it's a typo because um, I'm reading the notice on the website and, and they just forgot to use the un in front of the word authorized, which is... Changes yeah. the whole attack. Yeah, but <laughs> it does say on the Colorado Department of Higher Education uh, no, knows that an unauthorized actor access CDHE systems between June 11th and June 19th. So, um, but it was a ransomware incident. And as a result of that ransomware incident, they know that the data was breached. Um, and, it, and it's a lot of records. Um so here we go again with more kind of like government related entities being attacked um, simply because we know that we're not spending enough and we're not doing enough. And these are easy targets for cyber criminals to, to breach and, and try to make money from. The other interesting thing from this is, is they don't disclose whether they paid the ransom or paid any kind of money to keep this data private. Um, so I guess we'll figure that out here in, in the next couple weeks and months ahead so all right so anything else we want to add to that before we move on no we're good all right so uh moving right along hackers guys have uh have decided to kind of set their sights on these zero day vulnerabilities right because and, and i guess we can talk about i mean Number one, we can kind of educate everybody quickly. Um, Randy can do that. 
educate everybody on what a zero day actually is done that multiple times on the show but um for those of you don't haven't listened to other episodes we'll, we'll kind of go through that real quick um and then we'll discuss how to kind of deal with zero days and why they're so popular for um cyber criminals but the reason we're bringing it up and the reason we're talking about it today is because we're just seeing such an uptick in them using this as a way in more and more it's almost becoming the most prevalent way instead of phishing attacks. Um, the, the data and the things that we're going to see over the last three months and going in probably to the next three to six months is really going to change from the user or the human clicking on a phishing email being the reason to more the human who didn't patch the system or do something to the system was the reason that this this vulnerability was able to be exploited and and you know even though they call them zero days a lot of them at this point are like 200 days and 300 days and 1000 days it's just nobody patches these systems right so um, so let's get into it Randy I kind of alluded to it but why don't you kind of give everybody the the Randy definition of a zero day <laughs> yeah so i mean technically Technically, zero day means it's it's a vulnerability that's not yet known um, that they exploit. In fact, it says um, down in this article that we're looking at that Klopp has basically aggressively pursued this strategy of finding zero days internally. So the whole world doesn't even know about them internally. And they've been able to increase their victim you know, their victim, uh, number of victims, like tenfold, it's been huge for, uh, for them. But it's basically a, a vulnerability that either A, that's unknown, or B, it's known and there's not a patch that's out. Or I guess you could kind of, with the, like you said, with, with a looser, uh, like a looser definition, you could say that a vulnerability that's known, a patch exists, but that hasn't been patched yet, that makes it, um, you know, a, a thing. And I've also been reading a lot this week, um, not only about this, but my other favorite topic, the whole living off the land, how the living off the land attacks are are way up. And it's probably a direct correlation of this because whether they get in your email into your system, whether it's an email or however they get in in the first place, they start looking around and basically start scanning your system for vulnerabilities. Because if they if they find a zero day that they know of, whether that's, you know, unknown that, that no one else knows about it, or if they find that there's a zero day that, you know, the vulnerability is known and hasn't been patched, um, then they take advantage of that. That's basically how they get into that system on on your network and basically stay there. Um, we saw they used that with um, Windows, uh, with Microsoft Exchange a couple of years ago. And basically, once they're in the system, you had to wipe it to get them out because even though you could come back later and patch it, they already had basically gotten their claws in there and were basically impossible to get out without patching. But bo bottom line, it's an unknown vulnerability or one that hasn't been patched yet, and they take advantage of that. And this is a really, really big deal. I say it a bunch. Well, the bigger deal is, is, is to me is, yeah, that is the definition of a zero day, but then they put a patch out. And I think the bigger story here is, is that cyber criminals take advantage of the fact that people still aren't patching, still aren't patching and mm -hmm. they know it. <clears throat> and so they're, 
they're building bots that find these things for them on the internet and kind of like, hey, I found something, phone home, check this out. And then, you know, they're, they're literally looking for these things all over the place because here's how I look at it. As a cyber criminal, I have no control over whether I send an email to you and you click on it. But if I can find your vulnerability sitting out there on the internet or get access to your system and find a vulnerability, there's a 100% chance I can take advantage of that, right? And I have no control over whether you click on an email or anything like that, assuming I can get that through to you, right? So this this approach is, is more predictable and they just know right now that it, it's 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 a smorgasbord for them when it comes to vulnerabilities that are out there for them to exploit. They, they can choose and pick their flavor that they want because there's so many out there now. Andre, you're, you're quiet. So why don't you try? Well, hey, if I'm a cyber criminal and the, and the windows cracked open a little and you don't know that it's cracked open, I'm going right in. So okay. I guess now everybody wants to know is, well, how do we make sure, right? Yep. So there, there's, Two parts is if the manufacturer or the vendor or the software that you're using isn't doing their job in um, either making sure that the code is correct or um, you know making sure that the 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 vulnerability is patched, then how do you protect yourself, right? So for me, you know, we've talked about zero. We've talked about zero trust. Also, it's, it's important either way is to make sure that your um, IoT devices are like for me, all, any IoT device, which is kind of like if you have a ring camera or some type of um, uh, like a lock that goes on the Wi Fi or like a wireless printer that's on the Wi Fi, you always want to make sure that those devices are up to date automatically. And then something that you may have more mission critical, uh, such as your server, you want to be careful with those type of updates, but nevertheless, you want to, you know, apply. The certain updates, there's different updates, there's critical updates, there, there are quarterly updates, recommended updates. So you definitely want to work with um, your the IT professional to determine if um, your server or your computer should get one of those. That's a, that's a great point. And then um, kind of adding on to that about servers is making sure that your, your network, so your servers are typically going to be behind a brick and mortar at some kind of a firewall making sure that your firewall is blocking all traffic in, all traffic out, except what is exactly needed. Um, then that way they're not scanning your server. Your server's gonna show up and show in. We all know that, but there's not a, not a bunch of open ports. There's tons of software out there that your, your IT professional, if they're not doing it, call us. But there's tons of software out there that you can run on your networks to show your open ports from the outside world. And, you know, yes, you should be patching, but yes, block all ports. So that way they're not scanning you and they can't see that you're running, you know, move it software or something like that because you got it blocked. So, yeah, unfortunately, with some of these businesses, hey, they don't even know they're running this stuff. Um you know, I mentioned it before when I when we talked about the botnet that looks for all these Fortinet firewalls and looks for vulnerabilities in those. I mean, I know companies that like literally called an IT company, said, hey, can you put a firewall in for us? They put the firewall in and left. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? These mm -hmm. things aren't getting updated. And, and these are the ones we're talking about. And these are the types of businesses that are more than likely going to get hit, you know, the, whoever ordered that firewall may may be smart enough or 
you know, may not be smart enough to remember that they did that. And then when, but the chances are they're not even getting the threat intelligence that they need to know that these things have an issue and that they need to be updated. Right. Um, you don't get a message on your computer when your firewall needs to be updated. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of where we're at in the world right now. It's, it's, you know, it's partly that and it's partly because people, you know, just don't think that anything but their operating system needs to be updated. And that's, that's not the case anymore. So. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to, I was just going to say like, that's one of the reasons why we, we internally have chosen a specific stack of firewalls that we use because some of these name brand firewalls that are out there do not automatically keep themselves updated. Um, and so people put it off. It's a complicated process. And half the time when they do it themselves, it breaks it anyway. Um, and so that's why we've chosen a stack that involves um, automatic every single day staying up to date. Um, and, you know, if it breaks, it breaks. It will break every once in a while, but it's a lot better than just being wide open and unprotected all the time. Yeah, so uh, moving right along, we'll move into kind of our, our last segment here where we told everybody last week, and I think we'll, we'll kind of jump into like the cyber insurance discussion next week. I think it was just too much to try to cover all these all these different topics and, and provide good value around each, each one. So we'll push the cyber insurance kind of like review application, you know, what people need to look out for around that stuff to next week. But this week... We're going to focus in on the ransomware and ransomware groups this year and kind of what they're doing um, and who's kind of the most prolific ones. Because, I mean, from year to year, it changes. Right, guys? I mean, the, the, the ransomware groups we were talking about 12 months ago are not the same ones we're talking a bit about today. It seems like they only last about 12 months and they break up and, and they form either same group of guys form another group or, or they all split off and, you know, reorganize and, and form a new group. Um, but as you research these groups, what we know and what we find is, you know, they have a lot of similarities. So you can kind of say, oh, well, that that group did that. And now they're, they're kind of calling themselves themselves this. Um, that's kind of how we look at it when we're when we're evaluating these groups and we're and we're kind of figuring out, like, what's their M.O., because, that piece of the threat intelligence really does help when you're when you're in the middle of an incident response. If you're dealing with a new ransomware group and you see that they are doing things similar to a, a previous ransomware group, that's that's good information to go into an event with. Um, so just looking at you know this year, guys, we we know we already talked about you know the move it and the go anywhere, as Randy mentioned with Klopp just kind of jumping all over that, um, that whole thing and, and making millions of dollars. Um, but <clears throat> a group that has been around for a while, but we don't talk a whole ton about them. And this is kind of, it's funny to me because they're now Lockbit 3.0. And I remember when they were Lockbit and Lockbit 2.0, they're now 3.0. Um, and, and I guess the way you look at that is it's kind of like software, but they're kind of, really just a new version of their of their operations it's not just their software yes their software is upgraded and it does more and it does different things as they learn uh how to better infect victims so they get paid um, but it also has to do with their operational maturity as a company and as that number ticks up it just means that they're getting better and better 
Uh, and they're kind of in the lead here by by three times as much as any other ransomware group, even though we've heard so much about Klopp. Um, the number of victims organizations by spring of 2023, Lockpit has over 300 victims. And that that's that's amazing to me. I don't know. So what are some numbers that you guys, I mean, let's just talk about it. The top five groups that I'm looking at are, are Lockpit, Alpha VM, Co-op, Royal Ransomware, which we've talked about a lot, and then our friends over at Black Basta, which is Randy's, I think, favorite name. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, what do you – so, I mean, those are, are, are the top five groups, guys. So anything out of this report that you guys see around this stuff with these groups um, – you know, I mean, I'm looking at stuff here like I didn't even know that like one of the ransomware groups has a bug bounty program. And if you can literally find bugs in their software, they'll they'll give you money, which is wild. So, and they're probably paying more than, uh, for example, if Google has a, a, a bug bounty pro program, they're probably paying more than Google. Yep. So they're competing. <laughs> That's funny. So, I mean, they're, again, they're running these things like business, right? And that's Lockbit who's doing that, by the way. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, their version three of their, of their ransomware or their company um, is a ransomware as a service model, which they've perfected. Uh, and and they're, saying to develop, they're saying to people who use their software or people who want to examine their software, hey, you find something wrong with our software, let us know. Um, we'll pay you. So... Uh, we have rent, the ransomware top targeted industries uh, as of 2023 so far. Uh, we have construction in the lead. Um, and then you have hospitals and, and healthcare. So that's interesting because we just did a whole segment, two segments on hospitals and healthcare and K through 12 education. Yet construction is the high, the number one most targeted sector in here. Why do we think that is? Let's dive into that a little bit. Because um, it's significantly higher. Like hospitals and healthcare is around 40-some organizations, about 42. And construction is, is kind of uh, heading towards the 60s. And this is only in the first half of 2023. I mean, I think it's because healthcare is the gift that keeps on giving because they can go in and get money for the data or try to get money so they can extort for the data or try to get money for that. But then that that data in and of itself is valuable to turn around and to and to uh, to use to sell to use for phishing attacks and things like that. Whereas when you're talking about construction construction is valuable because you can have their vendors and you, they can use the vendors to get people to send each other ACH uh, checks and things like that and wire transfers. But with a large construction company, you might have 2000 vendors, but like you can, you know, you know breach a school, uh, let's say like a college, um, you might come up with, you know, 50,000, 50,000 potential victims. So I think that's, it's the allure of being able to make more money and being able to sell. That's my that's my two cents. On I, I would, we actually do a lot of work for construction, and one of the, the things we always get is, well, everything I, I I do, I end up having to submit to the county, to the city, so it's, it's public records. 
So I think they're very relaxed, not thinking that they're going to actually come after them. And, and, and they do, of course. So I think that's, that's an addition to what Randy says. I think that's, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. And just knowing this data from looking at data over many, many years, this is the first time I've seen this industry at the top of the list, right? And when you're an industry that just jumped above hospitals and healthcare and hospitals and healthcare are kind of in the news a lot, you know, we know that that's a, a, a pretty common thing for the, that industry to get hit. Um, interestingly enough, with these numbers, you think you'd hear about more construction companies in the news, but you're not. So this is an industry kind of to Andre's point that can hide it, mm -hmm. right? I think it's also an industry that probably has a very low cybersecurity maturity level and cyber mm -hmm. criminals have figured this out and they're coming after this industry hard. So here, why we do this show and why we point out these, why we look at trends and reports that were published in, in the last couple weeks and months and why we do this on this show to update everyone. Because I've said this before about other industries when this has happened, be warned construction industry because the cyber criminals have their sights set on your industry and they're looking for you hard. And they do it the same way that a marketing company would find your company to, to market their products and services to your business. They're going to LinkedIn, they're going to Google, they're searching for co company, you know, the construction company, this kind of construction company, that kind of construction company in this city. They're doing all those searches and they're looking for you and they're looking to build a profile of your companies, you are a massive target for them. And they know that your cybersecurity maturity level is low and that you're probably not carrying cyber insurance yet. So the likelihood of you paying them in increases because they don't have to deal with breach attorneys and professional uh, ransomware negotiators. I think that's kind of the story that this tells on, on this slide by looking at these numbers and knowing the construction is kind of new to this. Were you? I was surprised when I saw this, Andre. Were you? Because I know we both deal in this industry, and I'm like, no, no, I was surprised as well. But I could, I could see it. I'm picturing the typical CEO construction company. Yeah, and he's always outside, jeans okay. in his truck, and he's like, yeah. you know, whatever. You know, if they get me, I'll just start a new LLC. Well, yeah, those, yeah, those guys are are definitely out there. But I'm thinking, like, we work with a lot of where the CEO's not in a truck, he's in an mm -hmm. office in a white collar running, right. you know, a, a, a construction outfit. And, you know, but they're not spending money on cybersecurity. Either. <laughs> I mean, it makes no difference. They, they, there has been no reason for them to spend, but I'm going to tell you right now, when the, when the data is going in that direction and you start well, to go to industry events and things like that, you're going to start to have reasons to start to spend more money on cybersecurity. And you better hope you don't get hit before you make that decision. Go ahead, Randy. Well, I was just going to add, I mean, it's also our number one vertical as well. And it is, um, there's a lot of that. We see a lot of re reluctance to adopt tech, tech. Um, but also um, this has been up and coming. This wasn't just an overnight. We all woke up and now construction's number one. I mean, Construction's been moving up this list pretty fast the last couple of years. Um, so it's uh, it again, is interesting to see it fully way ahead, number one, though. It's, it's a cat and mouse game, as we always know. And the other thing that we know 
especially by doing this show and looking at all the, the information that we look at on a weekly basis, we, we know that, that this industry, it, it doesn't, isn't mature enough. And so, and we, but we also know that cyber criminals move around industries and when they target an industry, they're going to target this industry for like the next year. Right. And that doesn't let hospitals and financial services and, and higher education off the hook. It doesn't let any of that, you know, it doesn't change any of that. But it does tell the construction industry, hey, you better start paying attention to this stuff because the cyber criminals know you're weak and they're coming. So anything else that you guys saw in this report? Um, I mean, total revenue received by ransomware attackers. Um was trending down and now it's right back up. Um, and, you know, other than that, just the names of the, of the groups um, changing, you know, we don't have Conti anymore. They're kind of gone. Hive's gone. Um, but here we still have Alpha V and, and Black Best. Uh, uh, if we look at, you know, kind of what was happening towards this, this time last year, um, you know, we don't hear from Conti that much anymore, but, you know, we certainly have a group named Klopp who has a very similar name that starts with a C who's doing a lot of stuff. So anything else you guys want to point out before we wrap up or are we good to go? No, that's good. All right. <laughs> you don't have, oh, okay. So no worries. So, um, let me get rid of Steve's comment real quick and then we'll wrap up the show. So thanks everyone for uh, tuning in. If you have any questions, you can always drop them on any of our social media platforms and someone will reach out to you, but otherwise we'll see you next week. And remember, share the show. Bye y'all. <laughs>